Hello and welcome to Canine Hooper's World, the podcast. A whole new world of fun. Everyone's invited. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 33 of Canine Hooper's World podcast. We are back in Australia again. I keep dying all over the world with this podcast at the moment, but I'm super, super excited because this is like the other part of IMDT Australia. So if you haven't listened to the episode I did with Laura Ryder, go and listen to that. Also, you might want to make sure you've listened to the episode with Helen that I did about crows because this could be relevant to this podcast as well. And I would like to introduce you to the fabulous Fiona. Hello. Hello, lovely Carrie Ann, my sparkly friend. Ah, thank you, my darling. Right, don't be nervous. This is your first ever podcast. It is. It's cool. I'm, <laughs> I'm very worried that I might swear or say the wrong words, but you won't understand my accent, but we'll get there. Oh, don't be silly. It'll be fine. If people can understand me, I'm pretty sure they're going to understand what you're saying. All right. Fine, do not panic. So, Miss Fiona, for people that don't know who you are, people that are not within the IMDT fam, um, who are you? Who am I? <laughs> I'm a dog trainer. I run my own dog training business, The Doggy Lady. Um, we are mainly scent detection, but we offer a range of behaviour and training services. Um, mainly our deal is uh, improving your relationship with your dog, tricks scent work, anything that goes. Um, I spent 14 years working as a detection dog handler for a couple of government agencies. And I am one half of IMDT Australia um, with Laura Ryder, which I'm really, really passionate about the IMDT. And you'll mm-hmm. probably understand as we talk about it, how, how important it was to my journey. And I don't think I'd be where I am without it. Exactly. So I think because... The, the world of scent is amazing anyway, but I've been wanting to talk to you properly about kind of working at customs and having an operational detection dog because it is a bit different from just kind of us pet dog people training a dog or training a dog for scent work competition because when you're literally boots on ground, especially with Australia being an island, the ecosystem is quite fragile, isn't it, really? So making sure that things are not getting in, it should not be coming in. Um, I mean, obviously, the obvious stuff like, you know, drugs and weapons and like bad stuff, but even just simple things like plants or mm. organic matter can really, really like cause problems for an ecosystem. So I want to kind of chat with you about what it was like um working as an operational handler and then we'll go through your story so let's start at the very very beginning at the very very start when miss fiona was what 18 20 when did you start working in that side of stuff i love you and i was 18 20 that would make me like 30 or something now um <laughs> I, I got my first job as a detection of dog handler in 2003 I can't even work out my maths. I was in my, I was 31, 32, okay. around that age. Yeah, around that age, don't, maths is not my best thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I actually had a normal job, 
doing normal things, obsessed about dog training on the side, um, had a bad day at work, saw this job for a dog handler and applied for it and got the job. Um, and then <laughs> it was, it was, I really did. I had the, a new boss. I had a bad day at work and I just went job hunting. And then the next day I was just had forgotten all about it. Just back from being happy. Um, but yeah, so I went to the interview and it was quite an intensive interview. It was, they had people fly over from the Eastern States. We had, um, oh, and we had, we had little dogs in there that we had to play with and show mm. what we could do. And I still remember one, I thought I completely um, stuffed up my interview because they had one where you had a dog and you just take it out of the crate, put it somewhere and then get the other dog out the crate. And I had taken the dog out and I flipped the lead over it on a chair and little known as soon as you turn your back they unclip the lead so I had this dog go running free <laughs> so I was like oh my goodness I have completely stuffed this up um, but they were looking at how you manage emergency situations with dogs and all sorts of yeah, things they so it was, unclipped it to see what your reaction yeah, was going to be how you would react so, but what was yeah, your so reaction I didn't swear <laughs> I remember I caught the dog with a, a toy. I worked out, I suppose it was looking at different reinforcers, what you use for a dog as well. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and just basically your reactions, what happens when there's two dogs running around the place and how you deal with it. <laughs> so I still don't know what the right answer was, but yeah, that's what well, I did. You were clearly close because you've got the yeah. job. So I've got the job. Crazy. So you you didn't kind of go into it from having a real sort of big doggy background. You literally just applied and got thrown in the deep um, a little bit. I'd been doing, I, I'd got that special crazy dog. Um, he was a shepherd lab mix that. <laughs> you, had, you were there with shepherd really, weren't you? Yeah, no, <laughs> it was a rescue dog, but he, he, uh, yeah, human reactive, dog reactive, um, he jumped up he did everything right he didn't do much right really but I loved him um so he got me into training and he got me into I did obedience and agility and working through behavioral issues and had done some study I did my, I'd started doing my animal um oh animal care I think it was called animal care course so I'd done a little bit I'd been working with rescue dogs but I hadn't done anything to do with scent um but when I'd had my rescue dog the one trainer I knew was a scent trainer um, and when I reached out to him, because people were, he was pretty bad. People were telling me to put an electric collar on him. I didn't know any better. I didn't want to. Um, so I reached out to the only trainer I knew and he helped me with um, pretty much getting him back to good. It was yeah. a very, yeah, a, a very basic kind of conditioning kind of thing, but, but we got there. So I was always grateful for him. I still am to this day for helping me. Um, and I guess that sort of got me into scent, I suppose, because I went to a few of his workshops after that. And, um, yeah, I got addicted. So, yeah, but I didn't have scent training. I didn't have any scent training, um, but I had a lot of government enforcement background. So they look at when you get into a dog handling job, it's a little bit of a mix of dealing with people, having that enforcement legislation and that dog skills. So they look for a kind of a big mix. Um, of skills so that was where I got myself into the into the position cool so what so it was just literally you had a bad day and went right I'm just going to apply yeah. for this let's see what happens so you got the job and then 
What, right, so everyone's going to be wondering, what was like the weirdest thing you found when you were working? <laughs> oh, my goodness. We found lots of weird things. Um, probably the weirdest, oh, the horrible, no, the horriblest yeah. we ever found because I had this little feral dog called Deacon. He was one of the most amazing detection dogs I think that ever existed. But he was a bit gross. And one day he was trying to dive into this bag. It wasn't a response, but he was trying to get into a bag. And so I actually, I met a security officer this way. because She said, can I help you? And I was like, yes, please. Um, and that was someone had put their placenta into a container, an ice cream container, and it leaked all through their bag. <laughs> it was So that was probably one of the grossest, things because this poor security officer then had placenta all over her hands and we became quite good friends after that incident um but well, yeah we found if you're gonna like you're either gonna bond over that or just never <laughs> <it> again like <laughs> it's like oh, sorry my dog's a bit gross um we did live snakes that was quite interesting Ooh. um that shows you it recently came up I had a little I've been doing a clear out here and I found a clipping from from that incident and that showed me how much you trust your dog and how much you read your dog because um, it was a meet, it was a incident with a few different agencies and I was the one working the dog around the bags and someone had been smuggling a range of reptiles, Australian reptiles, but also deaf adders from up north, yeah, which no, is one of the most poisonous. Smuggle those. Like, no, and they're one of the most poisonous snakes in the world. And um, the name and I remember a clue doesn't it like death adder death, death adder it's not it's not your friendly carpet python or anything um but yes yeah, so we were doing a doing an operation there and I was going over some luggage with my dog and I said oh it's all good you'll be safe to open these there's been snakes in there but there's nothing in there now because I was reading my dog he showed interest but there was no indication and then as they were opening the bag I kind of went I've just told these people to open a bag on the advice of my dog. And it was. He was correct. They had all their snake handling equipment, but there was no live reptiles. But it made me realise how much trust we put in them and also how right they are. Yeah. So, yeah, we've done all, all sorts of things. You find some weird stuff, some weird and wonderful things. That's that people more. Like, everyone wants to hear. Like, don't think this is boring at all. Like, I'm here, like, on the edge of my seat. Like, whereas, hang on. So you found snakes. And yeah. you found the centre. Like, I'm still, I'm still not quite over that. Like, I don't... First of all, like, would you not use, like, some proper, like, sealable Tupperware? Why yeah. an ice cream? Yeah, don't use an ice cream container, <laughs> people, if you're trying to contain something. Biological hazard. So, yeah, possibly saying that, you know, like, maybe, like, has a screw lid um, yeah. and won't leak. Yeah. But also, why are you, like, moving... For... I, there's just too many questions. No. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. So the snakes. So that day you just found equipment that had been used for smuggling snakes, but you didn't actually find any live snakes. No, we found snakes as well. There oh, was also, okay. yeah, quite a quite a large um, consignment of different reptiles, death adders, bobtails, all sorts of bits and, and bobs. I'm, so. And I'm assuming that they weren't being kind of transported in the ideal way that was correct for the welfare of these animals. <laughs> No, they're not. It's it's quite yeah, it's quite traumatic because they put these beautiful reptiles in, into um post you know the the post the tubes post tubes yeah. and socks and 
yeah, and it's not nice. And then they go, they sometimes go over there and then they can get posted around the world and most of them don't live. So, um, yeah. It's That's so bad, a, isn't it? That's it's not very often. I mean, I worked 14 years. It was only a few times where we worked with yeah. reptiles. but um, So it wasn't too often. But, yeah, people, I always said, though, with little deets, it, when he found Snake, he was he was a little bit of a different fellow. Whenever he found live animals, he got a little bit excited. Um, and when he found, if he responded to snake, rather than a nice sit, which I was quite happy with, because I would hate to have a dog that did a nice sit indication for a snake, because I'm quite scared of them. So he actually wouldn't, even if it was a snake skin, he would actually latch onto it with his mouth and hold the bag. And you basically have to lift the bag and the beagle off the belt. Um, and that was to me, I went, okay, there's reptile in there. Thank you for telling me that. So I was quite okay with that. I didn't do any training to remedy that situation. Well, no, but the thing is, it it's amazing that his indication was different for that mm. because, you know, if if he's found, like, something else he's not meant to, no, like, he's found mm. drugs or whatever, he was trained on money, and the indication's the same, like opening a bag up of money and opening a bag up that's mm. got a potentially lethal snake in it, like... Yeah. I want to know. Indication is actually <laughs> really cool. Like, what a good dog. So tell he us wasn't me. trained, but I didn't train it out of him. Put it that way. No, and maybe he was like, right, I need to give this monkey a yeah. bit more on this one because probably she's she's gonna freak out. It's gonna be dramatic. I better warn her that there could be yeah. something live in here because otherwise it's gonna be a thing and it's gonna be stressful. <laughs> I must admit, I think it was more instinctual of him as well because even at our training camp, I was remembering this today with Little Deeks, um, a week before our final validation, you do like eight weeks of training mm -hmm. and the week before it, that's when we did live animals and we had a, it was actually a live chicken in a suitcase. It's all contained very well, don't worry. Um, and all the other dogs do this beautiful sit indication and off they go and Little Deeks, bless his cotton socks, he got the chick the suitcase, he shook it and then tried to take it out of the training room in his bag. <laughs> and then we did have to do some work with that. But then he went, I like finding chickens. I don't want to find fruit and veggie anymore, Mum. So I'll just look for chickens. And it was a week before our final assessment. And we got filmed on board of security at the same time. So I'm trotting up for our final assessment, not knowing if my dog's going to find apples and bananas again or just chickens. Um, no, and then they're sort of going, oh, and you're going to get filmed as well for national television. So, but he did good. Great. He came good. <laughs> he came good. He passed, but 97.5%. He did absolutely wow, perfect. Wow, that's amazing. So, right, what breed was Deeks? Like, tell, tell, explain to the world who this little dude was. Who this little Deacon was. He was a beagle. He had come off the streets of Melbourne. He was found, he was really skinny. He was a he was a proper stray. He um he was skin and bones. I think we got him, he put on six kilos from when we got him to when he was working. He oh, was wow, skinniest okay. little dog I'd seen. He had little sores all over him. He was not a healthy dog, but he was also quite feral. <laughs> it's the best. He's one of those dogs, you know, when you meet dogs, you go, oh, how could anyone ever give you up? How did you end up in rescue? And then you Deeks, you kind of went, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I sort of get why he was there, but he was, he was suited to work and he, we were suited to each other because 
he would have worked every minute of every day. And I was at that, you know, in that learning stage where you just get addicted to dog training Mm -hmm. and all you want to do is train and there's nothing else in life matters. Mm -hmm. That was where I was. That's where Deke was. And we just worked. We worked. We were both little workers. So amazing. I love that. Yeah, he came from, he really came from those terrible beginnings and, in the end, he was, you know, he met Prince Charles. Um, oh, he fancy. He's fa- he was in the tabloids, thank you. Um, and at the end of his life, he actually got an obituary in the, in the uh, uh, big paper here. Oh, my um, God. My heart normally reserved for important people, but, yeah, Deacon Vega was in the uh, in the paper. So but he, he came was, all right for a street dog. Yeah, he was important. And also the thing I love with that, it just proves that, rescue does not mean broken and getting these I call them secondhand dogs you know Dodge Dodge was a secondhand puppy um Mm. because I think sometimes rescue makes people think that either something's bad with the dog or something bad's happened or that you know they they get this whole negative thing that the dogs ended up in rescue because of something and sometimes it's just things don't work out and maybe it was he was too smart to live in a pet home and he needed a job yeah. and maybe his plan was to go and crime fight on the customs yeah. front and be like ultimate customs dog so let's just talk about the fruit and veg then because generally when you when we train scent detection for pet dogs you pick one scent and that is the scent that your dog works on some people have two but you don't tend to kind of go more than that. But operational dogs, like I remember um, a really good friend of mine, um, ex-military, his um, dog in the army, Sniper, God rest her, she was absolutely wicked dog. She was trained on explosives, ammunition, money, and counterfeit DVDs. Wow. <laughs> like, yep. how, how do you train the dogs to find fruit? Vet? I mean, I guess... Fruit and veg is kind of your, are you just yeah. training the dogs to find food, like any old food source? Well, then you have the live animals and then there must be other elements to it because, or do you just have like six different dogs and one does bananas, one does cocaine, one does money? <laughs> no, I work, I work for quarantine. I work for the federal quarantine and the state quarantine. Um, and there was certain food items they were to find and certain ones they weren't. So they looked for fresh fruit and vegetables when they were international, they worked for meat, but not in state. Um, we looked for bees and honey um, for domestic, plant materials, seeds and soil. The soil can have um, some horrible things and obviously reptiles, as we spoke about before. Mm-hmm. So they had quite a range of stuff, but they had to really discriminate between like we had to look for fresh plant material, but not dried. Mm-hmm. Or you'd have fresh apple, but not dried apple. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was quite a lot. And if you look at... It's quite easy in a way because dogs generalise. So we would initially teach them to find a lemon and then they would generalise to an orange. I used to say I like a dog. So my dog is actually dreaming behind me. So if you hear some weird sounds, my apologies, <laughs> having quite the little dream. He's probably really living some, some uh, professional moment, I'm sure. So, yeah, so we would start with something like that, like a lemon, and then they'd move on to oranges and then an apple and they'd move to like your pears. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of our dogs, if it was a new scent, they'd give it a go, yeah. um, which is why we weren't training for drugs. But Little Deacon found half a million dollars of methamphetamines, 
Meanwhile, I was there going, have you got any apples? <laughs> because, and everyone sort of goes, but that was wrong. And I'm like going, no, he was kind of like, it was probably a very different smell. It had yeah, been body packed like, as well. Wait a minute. This doesn't smell like the normal people smell. Yeah. I'm just going to tell it's us. It's different. Look. Yeah. What a good boy. So I was always happy. I was always happy. If it was something new, give it a go, tell me, and then I'll say yay or nay. Um, and that's how they kind of is, worked. If he indicates and you pull it and it isn't anything, like no biggie, but if he no indicates biggie. you pull it and it's half a million dollars worth well, of <laughs> illegal drugs, like yeah, that's a pretty good score really, isn't it? Like yeah. puppy. And a lot of people think, oh, you, you, we get why drugs are such an issue, but quarantine... To me, I was quite passionate. I didn't go in there passionate about quarantine. I went in there passionate about dog training. Mm -hmm. um, but if you look at the sorts of pests and diseases that we don't have here, especially in Western Australia, because we're so isolated from the rest of the world and we've got a border that we can patrol. So yeah. it's probably also, if you look at during COVID, we've been really fortunate in Western Australia in that probably anywhere in the world we've been pretty safe. Because well, we guys, have such a hard border. Me visit yet, so we're yeah. not let we don't let anyone in anymore. <laughs> but we have that great border, so we can actually stop a lot of the pests and diseases coming in. And I people would go, oh, but drugs can kill. But if you have someone who's had an, an orchard in their family for generations and they get a pest or a disease, mm -hmm. and the only way they can get rid of that is raising that orchard. And we had one of my managers told me the story about this where he held some poor man back while his family orchard was basically raised and this, you know, strong man was in tears. And that always stayed with me yeah. because I thought that's what I'm protecting. I'm protecting these people's livelihoods and keeping these pests and diseases out. And sometimes you'd cut the fruit afterwards and mangoes, I love my mangoes, but mango season when we'd get the mangoes and people would be like, oh, but it's nothing wrong with it. And you'd open it up and inside the sea was all these maggots. Amy, I, yeah, you can't see it on the outside. You can see yeah. it on the inside. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I did end up getting quite passionate about quarantine in that way because I like my fruit and vegetables and I like my mangoes. Um, so we'd often find a lot of that. I think that, like, that, that's the side of it that is completely overlooked. Like, I remember um, we, we joked last time I came over because my brother had asked me to bring over um, quavers and... Um, something else I can't remember what it was some sort of English crisp that like could yeah and when we got to the customs bit I was like um I've got crisps are these okay and they were like yeah no that's fine I was like okay yeah. and Dale was like why did you check it's just crisps I was like because they're really strict on what food you can mm. bring in for a reason and I to be fair I think like the quarantine guys were probably looking at me like oh bless her like <laughs> she's just asking she bring back your but I remember um like my my training shoes I disinfected mm. them before I came because I knew that I train at a farm and mm. yes they would have been kind of away from the farm and then in a suitcase and it would have been like 72 hours minimum between them being at the farm and landing in Australia but I didn't want to risk it because one of the guys there where I train is a fishery as well and they were telling me that I think it may have been Melbourne, but um, a friend of theirs went over fishing, took all their fishing gear with them, waders the lot, hmm. and there was a little bit of algae on the waders. Yeah. And apparently the whole lake had to be like closed because someone, whether it was them or like whether it's on these urban myths, but they had to close the lake because this algae that was not found in Australia 
ended up in this lake and just completely screwed yeah. the whole thing up. So it is really serious. Mm. Like, I think a lot of the time people like coming into countries are just like, oh, you know, it's fine. Like I can bring in my apple. It's not a problem, but it is for a reason. Like, especially as you say in WA, you are such, as much as you are on this massive island, you are like this little corner. Yeah. All the way over there. Like you don't understand how big Australia Australia. is. Like Mm. it's crazy. I remember like, saying oh you know because if like we were going to Sydney like how long does it take to fly from Perth to Sydney because you can't really drive it unless you want to drive through loads of orange sand and not a lot else yeah it's a few days to drive but it's about four and a half hours I think four, four to five hours depending on the wind so it takes Sydney longer driving, to, flying. to Sydney than it would for us to get to Spain in yeah. the UK which yeah mental like it kind of puts it into perspective of how big like Australia actually is and I think the custom side of thing is just so interesting because like I think everyone focused on the drug stuff as well because when like we watched all those border force programs on telly and all like the big dramatization of like oh my god they've got it's like they've just seized like 20,000 cigarettes or and it's all to do with kind of money and taxes but actually I think the fruit and veg side is so much more interesting because as you say, it's an ecosystem. It's yeah. so important. Mm. Yeah, more important than we think. Very and with the, so let's go back to other crazy stuff you found. <laughs> like, did you have people trying to like proper, just try and smuggle through in? Like it wasn't just an, oh, it's in my bag. I forgot like no. actually trying to bring in their mangoes. <laughs> no, the most the most interesting thing you'd always say to someone would be, "Excuse me, ma'am, have you got anything um in your bra?" <laughs> because the dogs would be like going, "It's in there," and you're like going, "Is there a blouse on? There's no pockets. I know exactly where my dog's telling me." And yeah, we found quite a few different flowers, seeds, or herbs stuffed in people's bras. Someone once found, not myself, but they found mangoes in people's armpits. It was a larger lady. Um, eggs in bras. Yeah, what? the things that people Why smuggle. Why smuggling eggs? Quail eggs, bird eggs. Yeah. Okay. People go to quite extreme lengths to to hide things. Yeah. And it is, it's quite embarrassing when you sort of go, excuse me, anything in your bra there? But, yeah. But also, again, like, an egg in your bra, like, I'm not yeah. gonna- but like one false move and that's not going to be good <laughs> and it's a long flight isn't it so yeah like in flight omelette like what i don't understand <laughs> why, why are you smuggling? i know i know but again I if if you're putting the flowers in the bra like you must realize that you're not meant to be bringing them in so yeah why are you like you must have like big like botanical houses that have other species of plants but you're being mindful not to spread them everywhere because yeah. you don't want to spread weeds everywhere no exactly yeah we don't want those foreign weeds thank you very much <laughs> but people do get they they're very smugly and people can get quite angry as well I've had again with little deacon we had a uh, German national I do recall he had collected plants from all over Australia and then brought them into Perth and he had dirt, he had seeds, he had bugs, he had all sorts. 
and um, and me trying to take because you're working on your own and you're just a young girl on your own with a little dog. Um, and I remember little beagle. It's not even like you have one of like the bitey ones. You have like a little beagle. (laughs) And we have little beagles. And I never because he threw like a it was like a hardcover phone book at my head, and four little leeks just stepped behind me and sort of went. I'm sitting here though because I want my biscuit. He was crazy. He didn't matter what people did to him. He'd just come back in because he's like, I want my biscuit, please. I want my biscuit. Um, but, yeah, so we, we did have police at the airport that we could call and they often would come quite quickly. But, yeah, you'd have some people get quite violent over their bits but and bobs. Was it that, like, in that case, was it just he didn't realise that he couldn't collect stuff from, like, the Gold Coast and bring it to Perth because it was not hmm. allowed or...? I think they don't realise until they get there. Um, some people do realise and then they hide it. But, yeah, so it, oh. it's two it's different. Yeah, some people don't realise, some people do realise, but they realise before they get off the plane but then they try and give it a go and, yeah, it can end not so well. But, yeah. Yeah, 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 and then that makes sense. So, basically, guys, if you're planning on travelling to Western Australia, just don't take anything. No, or declare it. <laughs> declare it and wash your shoes I always I always do because you know me I like to dog train and horse ride around the world and I am always spending the time cleaning my shoes before I come home yeah no you you do need to it is important because what may be like it it just seems like a seed but Mm. it can cause all sorts of stress and mess and destruction yeah so before, I, we're going to digress slightly off of dogs, yeah. but I think it's because everyone will be interested. It's kind of within the theme because when I came over, um, I went to um, went to Rottnest Island and met the quokkas. And yeah. like, that's the only place in the world that has quokkas. And if you don't know what they are, right, you have to go and Google. Mm. Apparently they are native. Really? I thought they only yeah. lived on that little island. Apparently, I only just recently learnt this. I went down to Walpole in the southwest, and I'm talking only a few months ago, and I've lived in WA all my life, and apparently crockers are native down there too. But I didn't know this. I didn't know this, and I'm not, yeah, so you need to get someone on who does, that there was crockers in the Walpole, which is very, very far down south, very, very, very cold, very good place to visit if you're travelling. But, yeah, apparently they are there too. I did not see any, but I did see their holes. So but yeah, they're generally yes, only... literally you're walking around, there's just like yeah. they're, they're everywhere. They're just yeah. like, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, seriously, just Google it. Like mm. they're just they're just the cutest little rats. Like, I know they're technically rats, but they're like <laughs> super freaky. They're, not, but... they're like if a rat and a guinea pig had a baby, you yeah. walk up. They're very cute. They are very cute. They are super cute. But um, where else did we go? Is it Penguin Island? Penguin right. Island, yes. And Penguin we're Island. Very, we're very um, original with our names here. Rat, it was Rat's Nest. Uh, you know, Rot Nest was Rat's Nest. Rat's Nest. Penguin okay. Island. Yeah, Can- we have Kangaroo Island in South Australia. So, you know, we really think about the names. Oh, because- do you know what? Right. I'd much prefer to know what is going to be there when I get <laughs> off that boat than it to be like... But it's be called like Palace Gardens, and then it's full of rats. Like you'd be yeah. really upset. Yeah. I mean. So Penguin Island. So Penguin Island has these tiny, tiny little penguins on, and I was told they were called fairy penguins. I think they have like another proper name, 
but I'm just calling them fairy penguins forever because obviously. Mm -hmm. But the thing I found really interesting is they were so strict of you weren't meant to take food with you. Like there were no shops there and there were no bins. So you had to take everything back with you because what had happened was the having bins there, they had to have like a little bin boat go backwards and forwards. Mm -hmm. And on that bin boat, and they weren't cute quackers, they were just bog standard like garbage rats but they really messed up the ecosystem Mm. of that tiny little island because a lot of the birds nest and the rats were just eating the eggs because they had a free supply of food that wasn't being protected because the birds didn't know to protect it from the rats and blah blah so again that shows how kind of that human intervention how we have to be so careful with not messing up yeah. what nature did because there are reasons for things mm. being the way they are but um I can't remember what those little penguins are called they may just be called little penguins but the guides called them fairy penguins and now they're forever fairy penguins and Fiona's looking at me like I haven't got a clue what you're talking about I don't specialize in penguins <laughs> can we talk about dogs again please chihuahua penguins we'll call them chihuahua penguins <laughs> chihuahua. no because they seem quite cute and friendly so I'm not like chihuahuas <laughs> What right? I live with flowers, and friendly is not a word I would use to describe them. I'm telling you that right now. Um, and mine are pretty kind of chill for, for cheese, but let's not lure people into a full sense of security that chihuahuas are ideal family pets because they ain't. Um, <laughs> and that's that's no shade, that's that's the truth. Like, I would not recommend everyone gets a chihuahua because they're very complicated little things. Let's talk scent work. Let's go back to the scent side of things. So you had little Deeks and then you, Deeks obviously retired and then left the mortal coil and he's now looking down on you going, bet you're not finding snakes now, are you? Um, He literally is looking down on me. I'm sitting under a photo of him, but anyway. I love him. So then who, who came in after him as working dog? So just before Deeks retired, I had I had a really awesome boss at the time and I was supervising the dog unit. So he told me I could get a real Labrador and anyone who knows me knows I am completely obsessed with Labradors. I can't see how anyone can live without one in their lives. Um, so I was allowed to get a Labrador, but instead someone had called with a couple of beagles and said, so I had to interview them as we would do. We would They'd come in the airport and we'd see how they went with the environment, you know, if they were scared or anything, the noise, the people, the toilets, the, the moving belt. Um, and we'd also check things like how, how much they liked food, how much they'd hunt for it as well. Would they like go, oh, there's a treat, there's a treat, but then go, ah, oh, missed it, there's plenty more. Or would they just keep going, I need to get that treat. Mm-hmm. I will wreck this airport just to get to that treat. Um, and anyway, so this lady came in with these two beagles and I was like, oh, I'll just pretend, you know, I'm getting a Labrador. Um, so I in the, I never forget, I still remember her getting out the car and she got one which was quite tall and then there was this other one that was just a little tiny pocket rocket, cutest little beagle you've ever seen and I went, no way because there's nothing worse in the airport than having a nice looking dog because all people do is want to pat it and you're just trying to work. So this little thing and I was like, nah, you're, you're just might as well stay there but come on in, we'll pretend. So I took the other one out first and then this little dog whose name was Barnaby just started carrying on like a pork chop he was almost howling because he wanted to go so I was like all right buddy I'll let you have a go and he was amazing he was the best I interviewed probably hundreds of dogs because they say one in a hundred gets through 
Yeah. Um, and this little dog was amazing and he was exactly what I didn't want. He was cute. He was little and he was a beagle and I wanted a Labrador. Um, but no, he came through and he passed every test. Even we did one in a rabbit. He'd get his head stuck in, um, you know, things looking for biscuits. I never forget the first interview at the airport. I'd put a treat up on the top of two chairs and his poor little legs couldn't get him up there. They were hanging off. <laughs> the bottom of the chair but he was he was determined and his determination is like nothing else and he will work and work so yeah so he came in and at the time we had no we'd had huge budget cuts and we didn't have the money um to send him over east so my boss was kind of like can you get him used to the airport I said no worries and then it was can you start the training no worries so he actually ended up becoming the first quarantine detector dog that I know in Australia because in Australia they tend to get trained by organizations mm-hmm. um but he but we basically trained him I trained him myself um from the airport and he really taught me a lot because we played a lot of games mm-hmm. we didn't train the traditional way we would basically roll a bit of fruit and chase it and have a game of it you know woohoo aren't we having fun mm-hmm. um and I still remember the first day we introduced it was I remember rolling the apple and then in the afternoon, I thought there was a flight coming in, and it's quite scary when you're that little. You can have hundreds of people they come on escalators and they come through a gate, mm-hmm. um, and it's quite scary for a little dog. So I thought, oh, we'll oh, see I how you go sure down there. We're talking about the dog or you, then, Fiona. No, it's scary for some people too. Trust me. Um, but I never forget little Barnes. He came along, and this lady walked past him and took after her, chasing her, like literally running after her. And I asked her to stop. And she had like a cloth bag. It was like a flowery, I still remember it, flowery cloth bag and it was full of strawberries. He'd not even met strawberries, but he generalised we'd been playing games with fruit and he'd learned mm-hmm. that we play with it, we have fun, we get we get treaties. And he chased this lady down and made it. He wasn't trained. He'd yeah. had one little play. She has the nonces in her bag and we <laughs> find them. Yes. Now feed me. So, yeah, so, yeah, we trained him and he passed all his validations. We had him, you know, externally validated from the training organisation. And um, so he never had to go to school. He got to stay with me. He taught me a lot because he's a very soft little dog out of work. When he's working, he's so determined, but he's actually a really soft, gentle little soul. Um, very different. I'm, I'm the drivey, you know, crazy, feral dog kind of person. And I had this little dog who sort of, was much more gentle and needed a lot of reassurance and a tummy rub. He wasn't traditional. He needed a tummy rub before you started a flight. He'd roll over, you rub his tummy, then you put his jacket on. Oh, bless yeah. him. Like you had to like so charge him up. Him up. A little tummy Sorry? rub, charge him up. Yeah, you had to have a tummy rub. And when other people would work him and I'd tell them, give him a tummy rub, if they, a few people didn't, and then what he'd do, he'd start working and then he'd just drop to the ground in the middle of the flight and put his legs in the air. Say, <laughs> like, tummy rub, please. So they soon learnt do the tummy rub first and then you right, start do work. The tummy rub, okay. I'm telling you, he yeah. has to have the tummy rub, otherwise he can't possibly do the whole flight. It's not a thing. So what makes beagles so good at what they do? I Above think it is that obviously they have a really good nose. All dogs have see now that I work with classes and I see the different breeds, all the breeds have different sort of scent personalities I guess Mm -hmm. Um, like shepherds take it so seriously so seriously Um, Labradors are sort of the class clowns and I have I've worked three Labradors since Barney one of who's snoring next to me Mm -hmm. Um, but the beagles are more determined and when they're right they will not 
let you take them away. They will, like a Labrador, if, if they sit next to a bag and go, yeah, good try, it's not there, mate. Oh, okay. And they'll walk off with you. They're like, mum knows best. The beagle will sort of almost, they're almost like they're swearing at you. They will not leave it until they get what they eat. Roll uh, their eyes oh. like, look, human. Yeah. It's yeah. You there. this. Oh, they will. <laughs> so many of the, we used to have inspectors that help and, and check bags for us. And mm-hmm. they all say they were trained by Deacon. Because he would, if they missed something, they'd search the bag and they'd miss. And it's very easy to miss something, a small yeah. bit of fruit down the bottom. He would then put his foot on the bag and he'd say, no, check it again. And they'd then check it and find it again. And he did that to most of them and they would just go, sorry, Deeks. <laughs> he would not leave. He'd be like, no, it's there, thank you. The thing is, like, you, that, that must be a little bit of a dent in the human ego that yeah. <laughs> little beagles going excuse you me. you're not yeah. doing your job i did my side yeah. of the job properly now can you please do your side of the yeah job? these humans these monkeys need training but no so i think personally they don't use beagles anymore because they i think they're getting more harder to source um because mm-hmm. all the agencies that i worked for their dogs were all rescue dogs mm-hmm. um and none came through breeding programs and i think that's amazing because they're given a new lease of life they're not the dogs that make good pets um everyone thinks oh you've got a well i've got two feral dogs living at the moment they're 12 and 13 um and they're not the dogs that would have made good pet dogs well barney maybe um he's still very naughty though um but yeah they're not the dogs that make because they want to do stuff they want to work all day um so they're not the dogs that make good pet homes but beagles were getting a little bit harder to source and i know one of our agencies they wanted labradors because they thought they were gentler with passengers and I kind of went, I don't know what Labradors you met. But <laughs> so the, the listeners can't see what my, my eyebrow just shot up my head. Yeah. Like, huh? Did they meet a Labrador first? Like, yeah. one of the main training things you get brought in with labs is for them jumping up and mugging people. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. But yeah, so they're, they're, they're using Labradors now mainly. But like, I mean, I'm a Labrador person. I love them and I think they do an amazing job. And to be honest, we used to have a range of dogs. We used to work at the mail centre as well. And they'd have a range of breeds. And some of, they had little Jack Russell Chihuahua cross kind of little dogs and all sorts of dogs, you know, Kelpies and cattle dogs. We had some real mixes um, and they all did a sterling job. And I don't think there's any breed of dog that I have seen that isn't suited to doing that way. And yeah. to be honest, the beagles in pet dog classes are sometimes the harder ones because they're kind of like, I do my own scent work, thanks. You can keep your stuff. Yeah. Um, sometimes focusing them for good and not evil is, is a little bit harder for, for some pet dog owners. It's <laughs> the best way to put it, focusing them for good and not evil. But yeah. that sums it up. And I love the fact that, again, we're back to using rescues because um, I spoke with um, Louise from Conservation Canine mm. and their conservation dogs are rescues. They are ones yeah. that went into homes and the people went, why the hell did I get a walker? And then we checked <laughs> it for good because yeah. it's going down the evil path. So that is a really good way of explaining it. So... We're going to blow people's minds because people that do know Labradors, like general consensus is, and don't shoot the messenger, but general consensus is the yellow ones work, the black ones are pretty good, and the chocolates are mental. So I used to, I had two chocolate lab working dogs 
And people would come up to me in the airport and go, I didn't think they used chocolates because they were stupid. And I'm thinking, why are you coming to me and telling me this? I have a chocolate lab at my site. So. But they're not stupid. They're not No. Stupid. I do they're think that. The yellow, are, the yellow are maybe a little bit more serious. Um you mm. tend to see them like out on a field working more. It might just be that the UK bred yellow and blacks are better suited to work in the chocolates. Are those class clowns that are just goofy? Yeah. And maybe it's that people can't harness the goofiness for the yeah. goods. <laughs> You've got to use the goofiness, I think. The goofiness can be part of the reinforcement for finding it. So I think <laughs> it's a game. Well, I, I, I had my initial trainer, the same one that helped me with my dog, he actually said something very early on. Because you've got to remember, I was training in the early 2000s and training wasn't all nice, sweet, positive mm-hmm. reinforcement. We're going to go into that, yep. Yeah, but he said something really, really got me early on. He said, for a working dog, you can keep it in a bare kennel and the only fun it has is when it goes to work with its handler. Mm-hmm. And he said, and you'll get a dog that just wants to work. Mm-hmm. because nothing else is fun in life. Mm-hmm. He said, or if you really want to, you can sit on the couch with your dog sharing popcorn and having a cuddle. He said, but you've just got to be a better handler. What do you choose to do? And I just went, I choose to be a better handler. That is a really, really good way of putting it, actually. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. And it's probably in those early years, some of my issues with working dog was that whole thing of they don't have anything else in their kennel to do. And I was, or you don't feed your dog before work. And I'm like, hey, I work best oh. if I've had, had something to eat, if I've had a nice, you know, a good mental enrichment the night before, you know, done something fun. Mm-hmm. I work best when I'm happy and satisfied. So my dogs therefore would as well. So making sure our dogs at the end, particularly, they were all having amazing enrichment. As I talked about that great boss that I had, he, he listened to me about dogs. So our dogs had the best enrichment. They were fed in Kongs and we had, you know, activities. We even had a little um, sniffy garden out in the, in the, in the pens, um, in the exercise yards, and the dogs worked better. So they worked a lot better if you were meeting all their needs. Which and I'm is thinking so interesting, isn't it? Because, yeah, the, the traditional thought is, mm. well, you, you just have them in the kennel and they're working dogs and they're fine in their kennels. Mm all of their all of their freedoms are being met you know they've got access to food and water and exercise and shelter and they're being vet checked and they're getting to spend time with a person what more do they need but it proves that if you do give them more and you do enrich their lives and we just do better by Mm. the dog like you wouldn't expect the handlers to go and be in solitary confinement when they're not yeah. at work. So why the heck would you expect the dogs to do no. it? Even so, simple things like making sure they had comfortable, warm beds at night. You, sl- you want to have a nice, warm sleep. You don't want to be sleeping in a bare bed. You know, I think, although Barney Barney did have the kennel hand um, wrapped around his little paws and he had a queen-size doona in his bed, <laughs> you know, and fluffy toys. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> he's only little, you know, he needed to be warm. 
um and jim jams as we would say next door like just on like with a little blankie on the floor like yeah. how come the beagle gets all the cool stuff like, <laughs> how is that fair no they all had they all had nice comfy bedding nice jackets to keep them warm um but it's so years. interesting that you say that when you added all that enrichment and stuff that mm-hmm. traditionally would kind of be poo-pooed the dogs work better so the proof yeah. was in what mm-hmm. you were doing yeah you have happy dogs it's like us we, we're happier when we're when our needs are met so and we've got to think of their mental needs not just their physical needs as well yeah so. yeah 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 no definitely um and going back to just breeds quickly um i don't know if you would have seen it but um in japan one of their search and rescue dogs is actually a chihuahua yes because yeah, they can get into small places exactly that if they've just had an earthquake even a kelpie is going to be too big to get in those gaps. A beagle could be a little bit too heavy. Send in a teeny tiny, like two, three kilo chihuahua. And they yeah. can go, excuse me, there's a person in here. Like, it's amazing. I mean, Chica, I always joke, like I, Chica love doing some work, but one of the things Chica, we have to be so careful with is chocolate because that dog has ended mm. up at the vets three times now because she has consumed dark chocolate. One day she managed to climb on a chair onto the back of a high back chair, jump a three foot gap to a table and open the packet of chocolate while I was out. Like, that's what I, personally, if I was a dog, I'd be her though. Like, part of me was like, you clever little man, like was really proud of her problem solving skills and like how to, and part of me was like, are you literally trying to kill yourself? (laughs) Mm. but when you talk about those pet dogs and how tenacious they are with Mm. once they've got their scent and they're working like it's true they get underestimated because they're little like I think beagles in the UK I mean obviously our hunting laws have changed thank goodness but traditionally hounds are just are they're just hunting dogs you can't do anything with hounds they're feral which Mm. they kind of are a little bit um you know, it, it's a thing. You do need to work harder with a hound. But mm. one of um, one of the other Chewies, um, Carla, she's doing obedience with a foxhound. Do you know what? Yay. It's the most beautiful thing to watch because mm. that dog is so graceful. It's like just her movement is beautiful. Yet traditionally you would see them in a big pack followed by a load of horses yeah. chasing after a small furry animal that's terrified. Um, and I think that looking at the breed specifically like all dogs have noses and we can harness the power of the nose but going back to the labrador thing i think because most guide dogs you see are either yellow or black yeah why is it that you don't see many chocolate guide dogs is it because of that goofiness like you'd end up with a person just Like I don't know why. I really don't know why it is. Because as I said, I had two chocolate labs as work dogs, and I must admit, Charlie Brown, my the one who's snoring next to me now, he was he was the more difficult dog. He um I I ended up getting in because he was pretty much facing the sack for being a little bit uncontrolled and in the airport. Um, <laughs> but what he needed, he just needed sort of a little bit more boundaries and focus and. And assistance in in knowing the right thing to do and what that would get him but the other one I had was Sam and he was amazing he was just I know I was a very experienced handler when I got him but he was the best detective dog he was incredible his nose was better than Deacon 
Um, I let, I only had him for a short time before I left, but he's now living with a beautiful man, helping him, being his best friend. Um, but yeah, he was amazing and he was quite serious. I think it's teaching them, it's, it's including that goofiness in it and letting them being a goof. You work, you find your thing, and then you get to be goofy and you get to play um, and, and encouraging that and making it part of them. And that's where I'm, I'm very much in scent work of finding your groove, finding your own style and your dog style and working as a team and not everyone not following a recipe because yeah. every dog likes doing things a different way. Um, Charlie Brown was, he was a really good detector dog, but he did not do things the way any other dog did. Everyone used to call him the laziest dog um, because he basically, he would, he would walk in, he'd put his nose in the air. He's got amazing air scenting abilities. He'd almost walk directly to whoever had it. Tell me, sit down, get it. Then walk to the next one. And then he'd walk out. He didn't do this going around and around and around business. He, he was very much being efficient. He was like, yeah, he was efficient. That one, that one, the rest are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And that was his way. And yeah, he was really good. But if you watched him work, you'd go, that's a lazy dog. <laughs> but even now, I love it because I let what him out and It's efficiency. Efficiency. That is amazing. Why do 10,000 steps when you can do the yeah. same job in 100? Like, oh, well, my beagle says, why why do the same job in 100 when you could do a 1,000 and run zigzags and, and go crazy? I watch them work. We, I often set something here and watch them. And Charlie, he gets pushed out of the way by the beagle, and the beagle just goes into his little scent cone. And Charlie just stands there, has a few sniffs, and goes and finds it and usually beats him. Bless him. And the beagle's still running backwards and forwards, Barney. Like, they've they're got their own way. I'm like... Yeah. So... Why I'm always kind of why fight it? Why not embrace it and make it part of it? And yeah, I had two great chocolate labs. I think that's the other thing, though, isn't it? Is that a lot of the time, and I think part of it's human nature that we like to control things. And mm. I think you know, it, we always say train the dog in front of you. And I love yep. the fact that even with scent work, like because most people are like, oh, well, you just train scent work like this, but. Every dog's an individual. Every team is going to be different. It's not just the dog, it's the handler and how the handler learns as well as the dog. Because let's face it, the dog isn't learning. It's the monkey that's learning. Yeah, exactly. You know, because dogs' noses are like the most superior olfactory hmm. system going. And even like, I know I've said it before on the podcast, but I don't know if I've told you, Fiona, one of the best dogs I had doing scent work in like pet class was a pug. Yeah. And he was epic. Like, yeah, they are. epic, epic. He was better than all the gun dogs in the class because he was just so tenacious with it. Now, this dog, like, had to have surgery for the breathings, but his yeah. work was amazing. And I think that it's finding what works with the dog. And as you say, I mean, maybe you've kind of made me think a little bit about stuff with Dodge because as you say, the shepherds take things really seriously. Oh my goodness, they do. And I've dabbled with a bit of scent work with Dodge, especially when he was a puppy because it was a really good outlet for him and it was low impact on his joints and everything else. But I didn't enjoy doing so much scent work with him as much as I did with like the Chihuahuas and Munchkin. 
And I'm wondering if it's because I'm not the most serious of people. I mean, I train dogs <laughs> really? to play plastic hoops for a living. Do you know what I mean? Like, I train people to play croquet with their dogs. That's that's my whole world. And, and Dodge was probably going, stop mucking around, Carrie Ann. This is serious business. Help me out here. Dodge is like, oh, for God's sake, who gave me this handler? Can I have a professional dog handler, please, that can do this properly? Because I'm trying to show her where this piece of Kong is and she's just mucking about. <laughs> so maybe- We do it when one of our classes is too. It's how much, because these days a lot of people get stuck in like a fashion, I find as well, a fashion of handling or a fashion of indication. And it's kind of like, don't get stuck in one way. There's so many different ways of training scent work. There's so many different ways of handling. And one of the things we do right in our beginners class is go, let's find what works for you and your dog. Yeah. Is it going to be that your dog's independent, wants to work on their own, and you just, we always say, stay back and just bring the chicken in when it's ready? Or some of the dogs, they're kind of like, are you going to help me here? And yeah. they actually want you to be part of it and they want you to give them direction. And it's working out what that dog, how much assistance they want from you, and also including the person. Because I always say there's two ends of the lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what can they do? You don't want, if you've got mobility issues and you, you know, older or something, you can't be in there helping all the time. There's got to be some give and take. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it's finding out what works for people and not getting stuck on this is the only way. I've watched, I mean, in my, I don't know how many years now, almost 20 years doing scent work, probably more than 20, oh, dear, um, <laughs> is I've never <laughs> seen a bad way of doing scent work. I've seen ways that I go, really? Why would you do that? But yeah. I then keep it up and then sometimes we go, oh, that's why you do that and I'll try it with a dog. I haven't seen a bad way. The one good thing about scent workers is I'm sure there's a way out there, but there's just different ways. So I always say if one, and if one way doesn't work for you, try something different. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, so yeah, many yeah. different ways and don't think that your way is the only way because someone else is training differently. And that's why I'm really, I'm not glad to talk about it yet, but scent work trials coming up i'm really excited that there's going to be people competing from who have trained in so many different ways because even though i go, i teach my way because it's my favorite way mm -hmm. i'm kind of like it's not the only way yeah it's a way to train yeah yeah because i think as well um like with with the boy he would give an indication and then i was kind of encouraged to like get a, a stronger indication a longer indication yeah. and Thinking what? back now, and it's like I've just had a light bulb moment. I almost feel like he was like, it's here. And I'd go, can you show me? And he'd be like, for sake, woman, it's there. I just showed you. Do I have to yeah. stand here for an hour until you suss it out? So maybe for him, the long indication wasn't mm. really. But then I guess as a judge, you need to see that the dog has given Ooh. an indication. You're going to get me passion talking. One of my things. No, do it. This is what this is because about. again, I think it's a bit of a fashion. I'm I'm probably going to get hate mail for this, but whatever. Your dog's indication is the way they communicate to you that they have found the odor. Mm -hmm. All it needs to be is clear enough for you to see it, and that's the thing. If your dog's working and you don't know where the odor's hidden. How does you, will you see it and will you know it? That's what it is. And this fashion of a dog holding their nose on it for so long, I'm like, why? Who is that fun for? It's a good training thing. I think teaching oh, duration I'm is so glad you training. that though. <laughs> but it's not, it can be aversive too because 
their noses are so sensitive. Well, it's a verse if they're holding their nose. I'm bored. <laughs> but you're not. Imagine if you had to put your nose on a bottle of perfume and hold it there. Yeah, no. It's going to start going up your nose. You know, it's not nice. So for some mm-hmm. of our dogs, I think, especially for some of the stronger odors, it's not aversive. Um, and also it's one of those things where your dog has just done, especially if you're doing it with a hyperactive or I hate that word hyperactive. Why did I use it? But a dog that's a little bit more feral, I'm going to use that word. Busy. We're doing scent work. That's it. Thank you. We're doing scent work to help them calm them down. So they're doing the lovely sniffing, searching bit, which is what brings them down. And then we're making them hold that indication, which builds their frustration up again. Why are we doing it? Just because it look weird makes us look good. I don't know. I find it a little bit. I love duration behaviors, but I'm kind of like, let's keep them for husbandry. I don't want a dog that has to hold it. I love, love that you've just said that because one thing me and this, me and the creature have always struggled with is duration behaviors. Like it took me so long to teach a sustained nose target. And I broke the original sustained nose target and now I've had to completely reteach it. So he actually targets the top of his nose, the bridge. Cool. Because if he does the end of his nose, he just nibbles me. Because one day he did it and I laughed and he took that as the ultimate marker. Now, if I ask him for (laughs) what I would call a traditional nose target, he just nibbles my hand and it's hilarious. Um, So I've changed that. And now I can get a really nice sustained kind of nose target. And it's almost starting to transfer to a bit of, dare I say, proper heel work. You know, we might get fancy by the time he's 10. Uh, kind of how I feel but it would make sense that if I was struggling with something like a sustained nose target that having a sustained indication would also be difficult for us but I've never had it explained to me like that so thank you (laughs) no worries and and also because I teach different things as well and I mean my dogs have Barney does a sit still Charlie does a nose hold because it's more comfortable for them Mm-hmm. And I kind of think of that too. Think, find something that's comfy for your dog. Don't think, oh, I must do that because that's what Carrie Ann does. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Carrie Ann and Dodge. They're different. Yeah. What's you and your dog? What works for you and your dog? What can you see? Because you need to get to see it. So I am a little bit. You do need something you can notice. Mm-hmm. What's comfy for your dog? He doesn't like holding his nose onto anything. Charlie loves it and Charlie finds sitting uncomfortable but bad facts so it's finding what what works and what you can read and and being confident enough to just say that's my dog and in in the trials I don't know about over there but here it just needs to be so that you can see it and you read your dog and you say it's here and the judge doesn't even need to see it the judge just needs to say where and you need to be able to point to where the where the target's mm-hmm. hidden so yeah. it doesn't have to, I don't know what your rules are like in that way. I don't. So, and I love that. work. So I can't go into what the UK rules are. Yeah. And there's a few different organisations over here mm. stuff. But um, one thing like with, go, let's move on to the pet dog stuff a bit, because yeah. I know in your classes, and I love this, and um, I spoke about this with Laura, that you are like the scent work veggie mic queen because you train the dogs on Vegemite, which is hilarious. Um, my, my first question with that though is, what happens if the people really, really like Vegemite and they are like having it on their toast every morning? Like, are you gonna screw up the dog because they're having Vegemite every day? Or should the dog just be there going, I'm indicating, I'm indicating, you're having breakfast. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> yeah, we start we start on Vegemite because it's it's so much easier to prepare and work with than other odors. We do work on competition odors as well. But I do ask at the beginning if anyone is huge on having Vegemite and toast. Because if they do, they have a deal with the dog goes outside with the pong or something they can sit, everything good happens around Vegemite. So okay. I don't care. It's just that good stuff happens when Vegemite's around. So your dog, I always said, they can never be in trouble when there's Vegemite around. It's magic. It's, it means happiness. So I don't care if they get a Kong while you have your Vegemite um, or they get treats while you have your Vegemite or you do training on it. But Vegemite equals good stuff. So mm -hmm. we talk about that straight away. Um, first up because people do not you'd be amazed that not many of us Australians like Vegemite I don't like it much but then um, I like Marmite as well like honestly my well, Vegemite supply is nearly out and I'm like oh, oh need to get back over there we need to stock up because it does taste different from Marmite it's yeah it's not, Vegemite's like not as salty and anyone that hates either like I'm sorry tough I'm yeah. I'm a lover not a hate my husband on the other hand is a hater so if yeah. he's done something to annoy me I can just go and eat like a Vegemite sandwich and Vegemite. then come near me and it's <laughs> but when I first started kind of getting into scent work with the girls I remember one of the classes I did um we were using catnip catnip's quite a mm. common kind of starter scent yeah which was great but we had a cat in the house at the time. So we had loads of catnip toys around. So mm. I spoke to the instructor and went, um, yeah, so we've got a lot of catnip just kind of mm. around in the house. And I'm not going to be able to reinforce every indication yeah. because if the cat's hidden a mouse down the back of the sofa and the dog finds it and I'm not even home, like that's just going to do it. So mm. we actually trained Munch on um, cigar. Mm. Because we'd been to Cuba and we bought some <laughs> So I stole one of the Cubans and cut it up into little bits. And my, <gasps> my husband doesn't listen to this podcast. This oh, okay. We're okay um, then. And if he does, oh, well, never mind. It was your yeah. dog. She had fun. Don't blame me. Um, but I trained Munch on cigar. Wow. With, it was just like really different and novel, different. but it kind of, you handled it the same way you would catnip. And it was just a different scent for her. Um, Chica, actually, we did do a little bit on catnip, but I didn't do loads. So it kind of, it was mm. just well, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Minx is trained on clove and Dodge is currently on Kong, but I want to put him onto something else. Because Kong mm. over here has kind of become the fashionable starter scent of, mm. because most dogs, have a positive association with Red Kong because yeah. we feed them out of Red Kong. So hmm. it's quite a nice, easy one for pet dogs. Yeah. But you can literally train them on Anything. any scent, can't you? Yeah, and I did because I spent some time, because when I started here in WA, there wasn't anyone training scent at all. And I was a bit like um, coming up with this idea on my own on what to do and how to do it. And I was thinking so many different things. I went tea bags. Of course, I went fruit, but I'm like, no, fruit's in the fruit bowl. And I just wanted something that everyone could access easy. You can go to the shop and get it. But it wasn't sitting on the coffee table all day. So it's away in the pantry. But most importantly, that it was safe for dogs to ingest. That was my big one. So if they, because they end up loving it. And so you've got, you can teach a dog to find anything, but I just say, make sure it's safe ingest so if they do go find it um when you're not home as some have done i have had a photo from a lady whose dog found the vegemite 
and smeared it all over her beautiful white carpet while she was out. Um, yeah, so apparently so by carpet the, soda. The don't know, Vegemite is basically the same consistency Marmite. as Marmite. It is dark brown and it will sticky. Oh my yeah. God, that's hilarious. Yeah. So we do do yeah, lots of feedback, keeping it away from wow. the dog. Bet she was really glad she trained her dog on Vegemite, yeah. So the moral of the story is high cupboards that your dogs cannot cupboards. Yeah. I always say a room where your dog doesn't go, in a cupboard your dog doesn't go in. So, yeah. But we are we do do the competition sense now, but I still like having Vegemite because, as I said, it's easy to do, use. It's cheap. I wanted a game that everyone could play. They can just come to beginners and keep playing it at home on their own. That doesn't cost them a fortune. Um, whereas the scent stuff is a little bit trickier and if people aren't listening that much they're not obsessed with the sport yet they can do damage by training with you know naked buds and leaving them out for training grounds and you know what I mean and not or doing it too strong or not preparing stuff so Vegemite's quite safe in that way um, it's a good yeah. beginner scent and it takes once the dogs learn on Vegemite we do one session and they're on a new odor like that they're so well our guys how many odors they're on but Plus that's really interesting because i think traditionally kind of the the understanding was you should train one scent you shouldn't be training mm. multiple <laughs> and i think when when you're talking about operational like with um talking with louise like they tend to train the dogs on one specific animal mm. because generally it's because the animal is rare and you want to know that that yeah. dog is looking for that particular mm. animal. Animal. Um, so it makes sense to only have one. But when you're talking about like operational dogs in an airport, it makes sense that they are trained on multiple things. Yeah. Um, especially. But you don't want to do you don't want to do apples and explosives though, because no. you don't want to be opening a bag of explosives like apples. Just saying. So, okay. so, did you have like dogs that were specifically for explosives that were yeah, explosives? yeah. they just do explosives <laughs> only explosives nothing else <laughs> yeah. this is where though the indication has to be very mm -hmm. precise because yeah. you cannot have a grab it with its mouth and pour it <laughs> no. like dynamite yeah that's not no. ideal you know you don't really want no. the dog. and also drugs you don't want the dog pouring at like no. A packet of like white powder, white powder, because like, well, oh my god, you'd be writing your paperwork a little bit silly. Oh, well, like, I've just got an image of little boy, like, <laughs> yeah, no, basically transforming into a purple minion in front of your eyes and going crazy. <laughs> and no. It's the best dogs, drugs, dog detection dog we've got, but it keeps getting in the supply. <laughs> it's all right. Everyone, the other, because our dogs did occasionally find drugs. Um, Charlie Brown did find meth and phenamines once as well, but they just made fun of him because he was a chocolate brown Labrador and he found, and they put him in the meth lab from then on at work, which I found thought was a bit mean because <laughs> he was, they did used to call him crazy eyes, but you know. To be fair, the crazy eyes meth lab, like yeah, the yeah. joke was there. It was on the table. If no one, I still swear there was fruit in there as well, but the police didn't find it. I reckon. It was, I kept saying, "Are you sure there's not bananas in there?" The poor, the poor guy with the drugs was probably going, "What is this crazy woman on about?" Because I was so sure there was fruit in there, and I was getting that fruit out. I didn't care about the drugs. <laughs> I was like, "I don't care. I just want the fruit." 
But yeah, that's like what happened. Like the downfall. I feel like we're giving smugglers a hint now. Like just make sure there's no fruit anywhere near your drug production. Exactly. Because right. the quarantine dogs will find you. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's funny. So competition scent because this is one of those things that some people have very strong opinions on what scents are okay for dogs and a lot of people don't like using certain scents because they are so strong and that perfume kind of analogy you use like I struggle to walk through a perfume department my sense of smell in general is not great but you put me in a perfume department and I find it so aversive because it's just this olfactory overload of musk yeah. and floral and eh. um Christmas time shopping like oh yeah it's not a nice thing and I kind of feel like that's how dogs must feel just in the yeah. world just there's this huge overload of smell yeah so when you think that they could find the equivalent of a grain of sand in an Olympic size swimming pool mm. It is very easy for people to overload on scent, isn't it? Yep. Because us people have, well, not even a mediocre sense of smell in comparison to dogs. Like, we are rubbish. So if we can smell it... <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, we, we shouldn't, shouldn't be able to be smell able it. To smell it, should we? We shouldn't be able to smell it. And it's a lot of people think, too, when they're learning to do a bigger odour. Mm. And I'm like, no, 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 let's make it smaller. And um, this is also, like, the trials it's like it's going to be easier for them to find it if it's a smaller odor at the beginning in a small area because the areas for the novice is quite small mm. so if it's okay if you're the first dog but if you're the you know last dog that's been sitting there for a while that whole room is going to smell like odor yeah. so it's the smaller the odor the easier it is sometimes to find yeah especially i call i call the dogs with the really good noses ferrari dogs right my dog's just sorry one minute he's just getting stuck in the couch oh bless um, him there's a dog stuck in the couch this is not helpful his leg went down the side but that right. makes sense though because that makes sense boom, boom, boom. um yeah. that a small amount because the dog can focus in on it whereas a big yeah. amount is like whoa well, everywhere should be, especially when you are looking for precision like the scent should be precise because we expect the indication to be precise. So yeah. Yeah. it's easier to go to source when it's small than when it's huge. Yes. That makes yeah, that that oh, yeah. so and I think that something stop trying to help them by making it bigger, make it smaller. And sometimes that helps them better, especially the dogs. And this will be with Shepherd with the long noses. Mm. They've got so many scent cells. Um, and I do, I call them Ferrari noses because I, I tell guys straight up in this class. I've got a little Toyota Yaris. Anyone can get in and drive it. Mm-hmm. If I had a Ferrari out there, nobody would be able to drive it really. I couldn't. I'd probably smash it into a wall because mm-hmm. it's so many, it's so hard. Once you get the hang of it, it goes really well. Yeah. And I think sometimes dogs' noses are like that. They're really, really good. They just don't know how to use them yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So are there, so what are the competition scents that you use over in Oz? So we've only just got the ANKC we haven't even had our first trial here. We're having it in Perth in September next month. Um, and the odours are anise, birch, clove and cypress. Okay. So clove is one of the ones we've used in the UK mm. and it can be very, very strong. Very like strong. Way, it is. The way we were, we were taught to do it originally was like you'd have little pieces of fabric, like you'd cut up odd mm. socks or whatever, 
and you'd put them in a jar of clothes and then you'd put the sock out rather than an actual clove because the dogs do not need to be finding the actual clove. But then when you said you need to be careful, the dog's not going to consume it. I was like, oh, yeah, because I've seen a few dogs hoover up a bit of sock, which yeah. is why we make sure they're cut into teeny tiny pieces. But yeah. you are still kind of, you've potentially got an animal ingesting a non-ingestible mm. object, which is not ideal. So how do you do it at the competition? Like, do you make sure the dogs can't access the scent? Yeah, it's got to be really well hidden. But even the preparation of, they use essential oils and there's like two drops onto a cotton bud, uh, cotton ball, I mean, and then there's like 30 cotton buds put in to infuse that oil. So there's not actually the oil itself. It's an infusion of it. So there's not that much oil itself on those buds. So, and then that bud is actually put into a vessel of some kind. So it might be you shrink wrap, you centrifuge tubes or a box, or there's all sorts of things, little tins. Yeah, and then that has to be things like. Yeah, yeah. And then they're affixed really, really well onto something so the dog cannot get it off. Okay. Because, like, that's really interesting because I haven't had explained to me like that before because I've kind of, I've dabbled in scent I've never mm. done scent work like properly officially yeah. um because I was always like but when you start talking about things like gun oil is quite a common one over mm. in the UK like that's quite a strong smell I mean one of my clients yeah. she's a scent trainer um she does hoops with me she's got that fabulous poodle with the really cool haircut um but he actually finds gun oil a little bit aversive. Um, and I think she said she thinks it's because of the strength of the smell. He's yeah. Going, oh, mm, that stings. Actually, Too much. Mom. Um, but that would make, it just seems like you're kind of explaining stuff to me differently to how it's been explained before, which is really cool because I think a lot of people expect as trainers, we know everything about all training and mm. Just because I know how to kind of teach indication, I know how to teach like a basic search and training dogs to find food is much easier than like when we used to do it in pet classes, we just did it for treats. We didn't actually train them on a specific scent. It was just let's hide some treats in boxes and find the Mm. smell, you know, but when you get into it, like you have to be careful of things like residual odors and stuff like that when you're doing competition. But I guess that's where the difference training for competition and training for kind of operational is very different isn't it yeah but um there's similarities to all but i'll be honest my most what i train for generally is training for fun yeah i don't even most and most of my clients aren't training for competition we're training for fun we're training to have fun with your dog um and to be honest i don't think it is that different i don't think it is that different in what you do you may not do, I don't know, as much training if you're doing it operationally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think this should be any fun. I think all training should be fun for your dog. It should be safe for your dog. I think if it's, I don't care if it's a bit of food, if it's some oil or if it's drugs, the the way that should be the We're same. not telling people to buy drugs for their dogs. That's not, by the way, let's just make that. Clear. Oh, don't worry. The amount of people I get that call me who want me to search their teenagers they want to teach their dog to find drugs to you know check on their teenagers oh really i do get those phone calls yes i know it's not a service i offer okay people i have helped a few people teach truffles but 
we do not take yeah, but truffles drugs. Are different. And actually, so finding finding truffles can be quite a lucrative business. And they're using oh, yeah. dogs more and more and more now because traditionally mm. they use pigs because pigs naturally hunt with truffles. But I could tell you about the pig I had in my scent class. But anyway. Oh my God, do it. <laughs> Just quickly though, did... the reason they use dogs now rather yeah. than pigs more so is because it's easier to train a dog not to eat the truffle. Yes. Whereas pigs want to just eat the truffle yeah um so that is a beautiful segue to multi-species scent work because we discussed scent pony yes the episode i did with laura and i i was like only fiona would teach a pony to do scent work although i'm not gonna lie i secretly want to teach her to do hoopers as well um oh yeah we need love hoopers horse hoopers it it's a secret it's a secret okay. i've got that let's launch this job. episode and then yeah. that's out the back oh. but you know oh, be yeah fair enough next, well, no any, next any animals IMCT course that we're tra- that i'm virtually teaching yeah. on we're gonna yeah. do this we do a lot of scent work in imbt anyway but no, no we've had we yeah, we've had pig we've had like cats. chips or something can we can do like chooks hoopers and get them training chickens to go through oh. That would test their training skills, wouldn't it? What about cats? Yeah, we've got a few cats doing it. I've oh, got good. a few of the UK trainers. The cats just see the dogs in the garden and are like, hang on a minute. I can do this too. It's, I've been saying yeah. the cats just... I think quackers though. Oh, shut the front door. <laughs> Quacker hoopers and scent work. But we need to, we might need to speak to someone about this because you're not meant to touch the quokkas. No, no. We'd have to, we'd have to get some. Maybe we need to find someone that has pet. Does anyone have a pet quokka? Right, this is your mission. No, we need to, we need to find the, before I come over, over, we need to find someone that has quokkas so we can do scent work and hoopers with quokkas. And that is like the ultimate dream. Oh my God, that's hilarious. So... Let's talk about what species you have actually trained because I've done, I did um, a session with a pig and a dog once. I was helping a trainer, a friend of mine, she got called in because the English Bull Terrier and the Vietnamese Potbellied were not friends in the house. Oh and the thing that I found amazing was the pig picked up the training a lot quicker than the Bull Terrier. Amazing. They're absolutely it's amazing. So and But there's, so no their determination though and their oh this pig was amazing his name was chester i was told he was a miniature pig and i i must have watched two movies i'm not a pig expert i thought there was a tiny little pig was coming to class i had two classes so we were like the dogs aren't cool with it we can move them around the dogs were really accepting of chester they were absolutely all fine with chester i know someone that bought one of those micro pigs and she ended up like five foot long and took a radiator off the wall in the house yeah this was like this was this was it it was huge it was it was a pig it was a giant pig it took up the whole of the back seat um it was not a tiny pig and he would he'd have tantrums because he thought it was his guy expecting like babe the sheep pigs coming thank you and i got this giant pig and he took a tantrum one day and he wouldn't go home. He loves sleep the dog school. And he wouldn't go home and they couldn't get him back in the car. And you cannot make this giant pig go in a car. There is a car. Did he travel in the boot? Yeah, in the, in the back seat. Did he wear a harness? He wore a harness. I don't know if he I don't know how they clipped him in, but 
but no, he was yeah, he was traveling in the back seat. He wore a harness. Driving, have, down, driving down the road and like a car goes past with a pig in the back. You'd be like, <laughs> he used to go to the beach and everything, but he was very good. But he would the snot that would come out when he sniffed the boxes. I oh, went to a lot of stuff Stop it. Yeah, and he used to have tantrums and want him to go all the time. But he was very, very good. How to add environmental distraction for the dogs by not only having a pig in the room, but then covering everything in pig snots. Like well, I used to take the boxes back to work and use them as a distracting smell for the boys. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that was good. But no, a lot of and a few people have trained their cats. Um, I do wish more people would do stuff like this with cats because I feel like cats really don't get a lot of enrichment. I mean, I had cats previously and didn't do much. Like they had their toys and stuff, but we didn't do much with them just because didn't really know to. Do you know what I mean? They were just kind of did their own thing and hung out. But you sort of wonder if you did a bit more with them, whether they would kind of hang out with the people some more. So scent work for cats. So I'm assuming you train it the same as you do with the dog, where you pair the scent with the food and... Yeah, pretty much. I've had clients that, yeah, learn it and they go, I'll go home and practice with my cat. And then they send me videos and sometimes the cats are going better than the dogs. That dog They're incredible. Cool. But yeah, the ponies, are, we need to do more with horses because their noses are amazing. Because Any animal. I know that... But not snakes. Like anecdotal. Don't be mean to the snakes now. Don't be hateful. No, I'm just not the trainer for you. Snakes could do it really well. I'm just not the trainer, that's all. I do wonder, though, like, scent work with, like, yeah, with reptiles. That would be really cool. Um, I'm going to, do you know what? I'm going to speak to Nick Bender about this because he's got snakes and lizards, and I'm going to. He can hmm. do that. Yeah, hmm. I'm going to bug Bender to do some scent work with one of his lizards and one of his snakes to see, see what. Most animals. Most animals, I mean, their sense of smell is better than ours. So because they need it, because yeah, they need it for survival. But I wonder, yeah, you sort of don't think about using scent work as enrichment for other species, but maybe it needs to become a thing. Like maybe we would start seeing kind of scent boxes in zoos and stuff for like the animals to be doing. Oh, I mean, it's like a whole minefield, isn't it? Like the possibilities, you're like, you could do this and this. Like, I want to see a bear now. I want to see a bear doing scent works. I reckon bears would be amazing. They would be cool. A little bit slower, maybe. But you think, though, like... Uh, Maybe not, maybe not. A big black bear, like, just, like, searching out the Vegemite. Like, okay, maybe that might not help, though, if you've got, like, campers that are really into their Vegemite. <laughs> maybe not Vegemite. Yeah, maybe something that campers don't carry. Yeah, what? but, like, do you ever, with pet dogs, would you ever kind of train a scent that is completely different from what's going to be in their environment or it's just a case of pairing yeah. it with good stuff? So It's pairing it with good stuff. It's best if it's something that's not naturally in their environment and it's just conditioning it. It's spending that time conditioning it. And that's what I learned from Barney, particularly how good he was, because we played those games and make conditioning fun. Um, and the research shows that you're best if you do condition that odor in lots first. So yeah, not, not training catnip if you have a house full of cats with catnip yes, toys is probably exactly. A good yeah. Because... yeah, exactly. And you knew that, so there you go. I had a, I had a theory, and apparently yeah. it was right. Do you know what I'm wondering now, this whole like fruit thing, because whenever Dale is like making like 
making a fruit salad or getting his lunch ready. The second the fruit comes out, Dodge is there. Like Dodge is obsessed yeah. with fruit and cucumbers and stuff. So I'm like, maybe, maybe like I need to kind of get him actually searching for fruit. Maybe he would like that more because he's always been obsessed with bananas. <laughs> he loves bananas. So Charlie. There you go. When I was at the airport, Charlie would, he was obsessed with bananas. And I would actually stop someone and say, excuse me, have you got a banana in your bag? I didn't have to say fruit or vegetables. It was banana. So are you telling me that you stopped a man and asked him if he had a banana in his pocket? I'm not going there, Carrie Ann. <laughs> You're I naughty. You didn't. You really missed out because that would have been hilarious. Like, I did have a colleague that once asked a man if he had grass. Was it, he had grass in his pocket or something? And he had grass, but it was the other kind of grass. Oh, <laughs> it, it was it was the herbal type of grass rather yes. than the uh... yes. Is that, that grass in Australia or not? Like are you meant? No, it's not legal in Australia. He 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 ran out of the airport while she was holding it, going, "What's this?" Oh my god! So, yeah, hilarious. Because yeah. we hear it a lot, like um, people that have been to like Amsterdam or stuff, where obviously that mm. is legal, and they've literally it's in their suitcase or it's in their pockets. They've forgotten, yeah. and then they get to customs and are like, "Uh oh, mm. I always have that." Like. I almost wonder if, like, there's people that work at the airport that are just really chill and happy because every because of all the flights that have come through from Amsterdam. No, we're we're quite isolated here, so no. Oh, no that's funny. So, for people that are kind of listening and think, right, I, you know, well, my my animal has a nose, so let's do scent work. How how can they get into it? Obviously, in WA, you've got quite a few. Um, Danielle's doing stuff with you as well, isn't she? Yeah. Danielle, who has also been on the podcast, who's yes, about Dobermans because Dobermans are her world, um, and she does scent work and hoopers with the Dobermans. Mm. A lot of trainers are doing scent work and hoopers. They do seem to yeah. kind of complement quite nicely. I think they're both they're both um, sports that you build relationships with your dog. You can do it just for fun. They're not highly competitive. They're not kind. They don't tend to get the people with the big egos. They tend to get the people that just want to enjoy their dog. I'm you so know, that's what that's met me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> carry on. No, <laughs> but you just want to have fun with your dog. You just said before that working with dogs, you took it quite seriously. Yeah, but you, you just want to have fun, and I think they're two sports where you just you can have fun with your dog, and they're gentle on the dog's bodies. Um, any yeah. dog can do it, any human can do it. Yeah. So they and probably do go well. For people that listen that have puppies, scent work for puppies oh, yeah. is one of the best things you can do because you're gonna mentally work that mm. puppy and old dogs play. Just... And old yeah, older dogs as well that yeah. are maybe less physically able and are doing yeah. kind of they're starting to get a bit crook. They're getting look at me sounding all Aussie, they're getting crook. <laughs> Um, like, you know, they might be starting to get like some arthritic change or stuff, but you want to keep their brain active because, you know, there's, there's a reason old people do Sudoku. It's Mm. to keep your brain and mind active. So it's doing stuff is super important. And actually, I think it wasn't necessarily a conscious decision when I did it, but I am glad that 
all four of my dogs are trained on a different scent mm -hmm. because it means if I accidentally leave something out of one of the others, it doesn't matter because the others are like, mm -hmm. oh, well, that's not my smell. And they'll yeah. indicate something else. So it's it's quite cool because a competition as well, you do, once you get up through the levels, you do have like full sense, don't you, that dogs yeah. learn to ignore because if you've got dogs, one dog searching for Anise, one dog searches for Clove, one dog is searching for Birch, there is still going to be residual odour in the environment, isn't there? So the dogs need to yeah. go, mm, not that one, mm, not that one. Oh, in a in case to hear, they actually teach them. Right, my dog may start to bark in a moment. Yeah. Yeah, he's again. That's cool. He's That's woken fun. up. He's woken up and it's actually in a time. And it will uh oh, up. so we will wrap yeah. it up in a minute. Charlie, yeah. I'm sorry. We'll wrap this up. <laughs> oh so, in a in KC, um, you actually in, you start with one odor in novice, and then as you build up, it goes two odors, three odors. So, there may be oh, Cypress and clove all out, and they have to find all of them. So they don't ignore oh. them; they find them all. Oh, so that's different to what I've yeah. heard they do in over here, and that's really interesting. So, and that's yeah. where I think it's more similar to the operational that there are multiple scents, whereas over yeah. here, like, there's this real emphasis on like not contaminating the environment with scent, yeah. and like, I think that's the other thing that I'm going to be honest with you put me off a little bit because we had to be so like clinical and sciencey with it like just it put me off a bit so it is good to know that you don't have to be you don't have to yeah. always, I mean yes if you're doing it properly properly and blah 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 but if you just want to have fun with your dog like if you get yeah. a bit of Vegemite on your finger while you're laying the scent out like no one dies right yeah no what that's what I always say no one dies but wash your hands Carrie just wash your hands um, so that's why I like Vegemite is that you can just wash your hands yeah it is a lot easier to work with and that's why I started because my classes are all about people having fun most of my clients a lot of them have got reactive dogs as well because we do we don't just do classes we do home sessions um so a lot of it is about just having fun and people don't want to do it seriously they don't want to be putting oil on bits they just want to get that bit of Vegemite and chuck it under the, you know in the bookshelf and let their dog have some fun with it so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i think make bring it back have fun with it and if you get serious then you can be a bit so what do you put vegemite on so i'm assuming you don't just smear vegemite like all around your hat <laughs> dog did but like unless i do start with the sachets we just have a nice sachet um but in the end we pop it you know we can put it in little centrifuge tubes and in straws but we okay. tend to start with a sachet and then we move we put it on a, we can put it in envelopes and things as well um but we do tend to move well, into well, yeah that would make sense yeah yeah how can i do this without like contaminating the whole house with the smell of marmite because yeah. my husband's gonna kill me um especially <laughs> if he hates it so much he'll be like why is there marmite everywhere um you just give me an address we'll send you some vegemite sachets oh don't like honestly you don't understand how low my stock is right now like I, I you don't know how much I've got. I buy it in catering packs. Somewhere I can find Vegemite over here because I can find Tim Tams. So there must <gasps> be somewhere to get Vegemite. Like, we have we had penguins at the last IMDT course. If you please to know. Right, no, no Tim Tams. but I have to say I do feel Tim Tams are superior to penguins. Anyone they are way superior. Yeah. Way superior. To penguins. Anyone that says penguins and Tim Tams are the same, they're not. No. Liar. You do not 
drink tea for a penguin. It's not a no. thing. And we're talking about the biscuit. Especially not, not a fairy penguin, yeah. <laughs> I just suddenly realised that I need to clarify that we're talking about the penguin yes. biscuit. Sorry, the penguin biscuits. In America, like, I'm not sure if you have Tim Tams or... Oh. So just we're talking about chocolate biscuits yeah that they're, they're a chocolate biscuit but there is a specific correct way to eat mm. tim tams with tea and if you know you know that's yeah. all i'm saying um so miss fiona if people yes. are in western australia and want to do scent work and want to find you imdt australia is the hub of all the training of all the good yeah. dog training of all the dogs in the australia um so they can check you out there yep. but we if we make courses and we teach a lot of we teach trainers how to use scent work in all their courses too so yeah and i teach virtually like all the way yes you have the best stuff because you, you had me and and serve mr man and yes dr, dr. rob hewings all in the same course I'm not i know that lineup was like yeah. Yeah, we had the top three yeah. Oh my God. Well, we I won't ask you to rank us because that's just not fair. <laughs> and I feel we all we all know, Carrie Ann. We all know. Well, yeah. I was going to say I feel that Rob will beat us, but I don't want to upset Sir. So <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> oh right, moving swiftly on, moving swiftly on. Yeah, so moving on. Where do you train? Where can people find the doggy lady? Um, you can the doggy lady. We're on Facebook. Um, the doggy lady uh, also www.thedoggylady.com.au um, and my email address is woof at thedoggylady.com.au and that's d-o-g-g-y and where do you get doggy lady not dodgy lady i'm just yeah i know yeah <laughs> i had to um, someone else did we train we train in a place in belmont we have a great venue which enables us to have dogs that can handle being in an environment but need space for other dogs. So we have it so that it's big, thick walls, so they up to chest height. So that's quite nice. Oh, cool. um, but we also do private sessions in your own home. So one of the things I love about what I do is that we come to your home, we can do private lessons, mm -hmm. but then sometimes we can actually then help people get into classes. And my Tuesday group at the moment, I'm so proud we've got one that's done it that way. But we've got another lady who came to the class without her dog just to learn and practiced at home and would mm -hmm. give me videos to look at. And then she said, actually, it's quite well managed. I can bring my dog. And so she actually had her first class with her dog on Tuesday and her dog was calm, well managed, no issues. And it was just, Amazing. it's lovely to have someone like that that didn't feel comfortable bringing their dog, able to bring their dog and then watch their dog do amazing stuff and yeah. be proud of their dog that's reactive, you know? Scent work was actually the first kind of class. I mean, Dodge did puppy classes and then when mm. the choir happened and adolescence and everything basically turned mm. feral. Um, and Brain explosions. Like, well, he just turned into like a shepherd, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we had lots of lots of big feelings. There were lots of big emotions mm. involved. That's yeah. what we feel like. Because I, reactive is one of those words. I go, mm, but yeah. it, it's big feelings. We overreact. Yeah, big feelings, big feelings. And scent work was actually one of the classes that we could have other dogs and people, mm. bearing in mind he had big feelings about people, people and dogs. Doing scent work was one of the environments that we could have him working and have other dogs kind of within a visual 
area and he'd be yeah. like oh that dog's over there okay cool yeah. and he would be able to work whereas I think in a traditional training scenario I, I couldn't have him in a group class it just yeah. wouldn't be a thing um even now like we he can be in a queue now at Hooper's it's all very carefully managed and yeah. there is lots of space and he has a big yellow thing on his lead and I have a t-shirt normally saying ignore my dog and all of that good stuff but scent work is one of those things that if you do have a dog that has big emotions do look into doing scent work because I think yeah. it builds dog's confidence it builds mm. your partnership and it gets you working as a team the same way Hoopers does and maybe that's why they both get taught by sort of the same trainers because we understand that yeah. teamwork. and it's not say other dog sports obviously you need teamwork but I just feel like with with hoops and scent work you need confidence in your dog you know you need because with hoopers the dog's working away from you you need to know that that dog's going to do that line and get yeah. on with it and you don't need to be right next to them once you build the distance and with scent work especially when you're talking operational you needed to know if there was a snake or if it was just a strawberry mm. because yeah a very different reaction from the handler depending on what opens in the <laughs> Very much so. So Fiona, just quickly before we wrap up, and I know this is going to be a long episode, but I have to tell this story because we spoke with Helen oh. last episode and this just makes me giggle. You had an evil crow that hated you at the airport, didn't you? I did. I did. Let's just wrap this up with the story of the evil crow because it really makes me laugh. So I know now that crows can remember things and remember people. So I don't know who looked like me that did wrong by this crow. But every time I went outside the airport, this crow would basically go into attack mode and it would swoop me and go for me. And it was, it would actually sit at the top of the airport and it didn't matter what exit I used, it would come and get me. And only me. I thought it was a dog at first, but no other handler was having issues. And I was like, you know, running and ducking and weaving and people just looking at me going, what is going on? And then so I reached out to the lovely Helen and I'm like, help why, why does this crow hate me I love the crows I actually really love crows as well yeah they're really and, cool. um, yeah so she actually she told me to, to throw a few treats at it which I probably shouldn't have done because you're not supposed to do that but I did give it a little bit of the uh, kangaroo meat that the dog had um and that was it and it stopped and it became my friend I was able to feed it and it stopped sweeping me but for months there it would just watch me and just me, and I don't. I've got red hair, so I don't know if it was a red-haired woman with a brown dog. Or it I was thought it was a racial. Dog. It was just a racial crow. <laughs> a racial crow. It didn't like redheads, but it didn't. It was fine with other redheads. It was absolutely amazing. I don't know what it was, but yeah, it was quite. People were probably thought I was nuts. But why this crow? What was you're attacking saying me. is by using reinforcement, you hmm. changed its. I kind of conditioned the crow. I changed its conditioned emotional response from negative to positive. There we go. Oh, hang on. You use science and training on a wild animal. Animal. <laughs> da, da, da. Because science. Yeah. And that is the, that's the bomb we need to leave it on, because science. So yeah. it shows, guys, like, if you can train a crow to not try and peck your eyes out using a bit of positive reinforcement then you know you you can train anything really positively 
without having to use anything horrible. Um, right, Fiona, thank you so, so much. It has been awesome to catch up with you, hun. Um, miss you. And I can't wait to get over to Oz and see all my all my Aussie Chewies and IMDT mm. family because it's been way too long. And my real family, just in case my brother is yeah. like, I, I want to see you too. Um, but, you know, my, my dog family is family. So, yeah. Um, so until the next episode, guys, stay safe, be kind, wash your hands thoroughly, keep your dogs on lead around livestock and don't let them lick toads. Take care, guys. Bye. For more information on Hoopers, where to find classes and Canine Hoopers World Instructor courses, find us on Facebook, like our page, join our free group, Canine Hoopers World. You can follow us on Instagram and we're also on Twitter at Canine Hoopers. Check out our website, www.caninehoopersworld.com. Remember, Canine Hoopers World, everyone's invited. <laughs>